Welcome back to Chew the Bible. It's your good friend Aaron. A. Aaron, we are in Luke chapter five. Luke chapter five. Reading on the NLT. The first disciples. Sometimes when you're reading through the uh, Gospels, it feels like Groundhog Day because you're just kind of reliving the same events over and over again. So this is the third time we will have re read these accounts. So once again, I'll do my best to try to point out differences or things that I noticed that weren't really brought up in the other two gospels or weren't really expound upon. So there we go. Ooh, I got another sneeze coming on. I thought I was done with the sneezes. Ah. Oh man, that's gross. And I don't have any like, I don't know. I don't have any tissues, not that I have to even blow my nose, but. Oh, this is gross to do it. It's so embarrassing too. It's one thing to do it on the podcast. It's another thing to do it on video, but we just gonna let it roll. Ah. All right, the first disciples. One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. I have a bad habit sometimes of like looking down at the phone instead of looking at the screen. Because I have it displayed on the screen, the scripture, the word. Anyway. All right. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. Now it's interesting that it made a point to let us know that Simon, who is named going to be changed to Peter, is the owner of the boat. So I think that's that's significant. He was a business owner. He was an entrepreneur. And in the Chosen series, they actually do some free license acting with showing what it's like to be a how the struggles of him being an entrepreneur and the conversations he was having with his wife. So. All right, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing, but if you say so, I'll let the nets go down again. It just baffles me, it blows me away. These dudes saw Jesus do miracles. And the way they talk to him is though like, yeah, anyway, it's like Jesus found the most like the realest humans he could find. Like these weren't just some like John the Baptist type dudes. They were ordinary dudes off the street like you and me. And that gives me hope. I was just thinking that today. I just had this revelation like don't you know that Jesus knows that you're human not that it gives us an excuse to just do whatever we want and just sin willy nilly but it's like 
he knows how human we are. He knows how susceptible we are to making poor choices and falling and giving into sin, giving into our sinful natures. Yet, like, it's like if, once again, it's like, why would we need salvation if we in, in ourselves and within ourselves could be a better person or just, yeah, read a billion self-help book. You can read only so many self-help books before you realize you need Jesus. Anyway, in this time, their nets were, all right, let me go back. Yeah, in this time, verse six, in this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. I pray that that happens for each and every one of us. Those of y'all listening to the podcast and for myself that our, as we fish for other people and uh, share the gospel with folks who have were at one time in the church but left or for um, people that have lived their lives and not wanted to do anything with God that I thought I was going to say that y'all your bank accounts will be full that too but most of all as we continue to live and be lights in this world and share our faith with people and the things the good things that the Lord is doing in our life and has done that there be an abundance of fish that we be fishers of men and women and there would be yes the net would tear the churches would be packed to the brim not just and I don't say just like physical churches I mean like the church like people will be meeting in houses and people will be meeting in parks and yeah it will go outside of just the walls because it's really hard these days to invite trust me it's really yeah it has not been easy to invite people to church um physical buildings but people will meet with you at a Panera and hear what you have to say, you know. We, a lot of times, are like the closest thing, closest thing to church that people will ever experience sometimes. And pe- anyway, let me keep going. Verse 7, a shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. And soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking Wow, I just have a seven that image. This is the third wave coming. They're coming. Be ready. Get your nets ready. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. He ate his words. He had a habit for putting his foot in his mouth. As earlier, as we just read before, he was like, Man, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing, God. Or Jesus. Uh, but if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. Like, yeah, it's just so much unbelief, doubt. And here he is. He has to. Jesus doesn't say, I told you so. <laughs> Peter just, or Simon just automatically was like, oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. Such a unbelieving man. So there you go. That's an example of how 
lack of faith is actually a sin. When we don't agree with the Lord, when we doubt his word or doubt his promises, it's sin. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. Hmm. This is just preparation. And I don't even think they fully understood that statement when when Jesus said that to them. Verse 11. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. They left everything, or in some translations, I feel like they say, and they forsook all. Could you imagine just leaving your house right now, walking away from your job, walking away from even your spouse? I'm not saying go do divorce your spouse. I'm saying, could you imagine, like, hey, babe, there's a dude named Jesus. Uh, he said, we're going to be fishers of men. So I'm giving up, quitting my job as a fisherman, and I'm going to actually go fish for people. And uh, yeah, I'll be back in like a few months, maybe a year. We'll see. However long Jesus, you know. I'll be back, I promise. I'll be back. But I got I to gotta go. Could you imagine that? That's basically what Simon did. Because in the, in the movie, they actually show him as a married man. Like, I I don't know how many of these disciples were married, but I imagine at least a few of them were, were married. And that, that, that kind of, I always wonder about that. Like, why doesn't, it's almost there's a lot of things in the Bible that leave, are left to speculation and are using our imagination sometimes. But I try to humanize these people and put myself in their shoes and be like, Let's just say one of them, at least one of them, had a spouse. Particularly, we'll focus on Simon Peter, right? He left his fisherman job, which is the way of making money. I'm pretty sure he had a spouse, maybe some kids. He walked away from them. He forsook his identity, his livelihood, everything that he knew, his family, his friends, to follow Jesus. When it says he left everything, he left his Xbox, <laughs> he left his dog, he left his comfort food. I'm sure his wife could throw down in the kitchen. He left sexual relations. She could have, you know, think about that. I ought to follow Jesus. When I say sexual relations, I mean with his wife. I'm assuming he had a wife. This is all me assuming because I don't, the scriptures don't specifically, as far as I know, say anything about Peter's wife. He forsook all. All right, enough of beating that drum. Jesus heals a man with leprosy. In one of the villages, Jesus met a man with an advanced case of leprosy. When the man saw Jesus, he bowed with his face to the ground, begging to be healed. Lord, he said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said. Be healed, and instantly the leprosy disappeared. Wow. Then Jesus instructed him not to tell anyone what had happened. He said, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. 
This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. But despite Jesus' instructions, the report of his power spread even faster, and vast crowds came to hear him preach and to be healed of their diseases. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. A couple things there. I kind of wonder, like, I'm sure there's some commentary on this, but I wonder, like, why leprosy? What was it about leprosy? Like, what is, what is he trying to say to our generation now? These particular things that had to be healed, that were healed. Leprosy, the woman that was bleeding, the blind. Like, notice it doesn't say anything about, like, cancer or diabetes or heart disease or um, what's something else that's pretty common today. Um people yeah anyway and then it's interesting here he says he often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer he often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer you could preach a whole sermon about just that verse 16 all right let's keep going jesus heals a paralyzed man one day while jesus was teaching some while jesus was teaching some pharisees and teachers of religious law are sitting nearby it seemed that these men showed up from every village in all Galilee and Judea as well as from Jerusalem. And the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. Lord, may your healing power be strongly with us as well, especially for this left ear that I have. Ah, discomforting. Ah, it's annoying. Verse 18, some men came carrying some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him inside for, to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up to the roof and took off some tiles. <laughs> they just started tearing this dude's roof off. But they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up to the roof and took off some tiles. Then they lowered the sick man of his mat down into the crowd the sick man on his mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus seeing their faith Jesus said to the man young man your sins are forgiven notice he doesn't say young man be healed young man stand up and walk he says your sins are forgiven there's something about from a spiritual aspect I just see like this connection to how sin par I think I've said this before how sin paralyzes us and when we don't walk in the truth in the faith and the belief that we've been forgiven as Christians and that we've been cleansed of all unrighteousness past present and future then you will always I guarantee you always be stuck and paralyzed and not able to move forward. And I can honestly say that that is still a challenge for me at times. Well, there's these flashbacks that pop in my head, just random. It's kind of like almost like a if you ever dated somebody and or married was married to somebody and then y'all broke up, and there's all these little things that remind you of that person, right? A soul tie. To the, it's the same thing with sin. 
like these yeah and a lot of it's related to yeah sexual encounters I've had with women in the past and there's these flashbacks to I can still it's like it just happened like I remember where I was where, where we were and the circumstances surrounding like meeting that person and then things that we did while we were together and then the guilt and shame afterward and even just um, the sadness of like either that person letting me go or me letting them go and yeah it paralyzes you and you have to remind yourself that the Lord knew that was going to happen he knew while it was happening like he knew while it was happening that he already had redeemed you forgiven you and cleansed you and yet somehow some way there's this imprint on our hearts and our minds that doesn't want to forgive ourselves and, and let us and remind us and believe that we've been cleansed anyway young man your sins are forgiven but the Pharisees and teachers of religious law said to themselves, who does he think he is? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. <laughs> of course. That's why he's doing it. But you are too blind to see. Verse 22, Jesus knew what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? He's like a bot. He could read their minds. He knows what they're thinking. But it's all right. It's all right. Verse 23. Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? Saul proved to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And immediately, as everyone watched, the man jumped up, picked up his mat, and went home praising God. So first he said your sins are forgiven. And then he says, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. Mm, interesting. I wish I could have seen this live and in action. Uh, and I love this. He said he jumped up. He jumped up. He didn't just, like, gr crawl up or, you know, slowly climb. He jumped up and went home. And praise God. Well, yeah, whenever that should be our first reaction. Anytime the Lord does anything in our lives, even when He just wakes us up in the morning, should be our first reaction should always be to praise God. You can never praise God enough. And if you haven't received the healing yet, like this weird whatever I'm dealing this comfort I'm dealing with in my left ear and I'm trying to I'm believing by faith that it will be healed and I won't have to go see go to urgent care I really don't want to take any antibiotics I've been putting these eardrops and stuff in my ear and it's like a, the discomfort comes and it goes it's just annoying anyway when I fully receive this healing 
faith, I want to jump for joy. Praise God. But I'm praising before in the name of Jesus. I'm thanking him before it even happens. Just thank you, God. Thank you, God, for this healing, Lord, for this discomfort and pain in this ah collection of water in my ear. Just all of it. It's healed in Jesus name. In my left ear. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe, and they praised God, exclaiming, We have seen amazing things today. I ain't seen nothing yet. Jesus, Jesus calls Levi, a.k.a. Matthew. Later, as Jesus left, later, as Jesus left, the town he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at his tax collector's booth follow me and be my disciple Jesus said to him so Levi got up left got up left everything and followed him Levi got up left everything and followed him just like Simon later Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with them Mm -hmm. But the Pharisees and their teachers of religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples. Jesus' disciples. Why do you eat and drink with such scum? Mm. Or with tax collectors and sinners. Jesus answered them, Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. That's basically what I was saying earlier. Jesus knows that we're human and that in our own efforts we're not righteous, that we are sinners and we need to repent daily, moment by moment, week by week, day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute. And it's constantly this conversation with the Lord, like, Lord, my flesh wants to do this. My flesh wants to say this. My gut is telling me to do this. But, Lord, if there's something different that you say I think I should do or believe I should do or you're leading me in a different direction, then lead me down the righteous path. Help me not to give in to my flesh. Help me not to give in to my own desires. Help me not to walk down the path of destruction, the Broadway, the road to destruction, but the Darrow path, in Jesus' name. A discussion about fasting. One day, some people said to Jesus, John the Baptist's disciples fast and pray regularly, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees. Why are your disciples always eating and drinking? See, that would be me. I'd be like, yeah, Jesus, come on. I'm, I'm John, yeah, I like to eat. <laughs> Jesus responded, do wedding guests fast while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. But someday the groom will be taken away from them and then they will fast. And Jesus gave them this illustration. No one tears a piece of cloth from a new garment and uses it to patch an old garment. For then the new garment would be ruined and the new patch wouldn't even match the old garment. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins for the new wine will burst the wineskins, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine must be stored in new wine skins, but no one drinks the old wines. But no one who drinks the old wine seems to want the new wine. The 
the old is just fine, they say. Mm. Interesting. There's so much more I can say about there's a lot of commentary you can go look on look out there for yourself. But we're gonna keep it moving, y'all. Keep it, keep it, keep it moving. Thanks for listening. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned or missed the mark or veered off the path and fallen short of the glory of God or God's perfect standard. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages or the cost of that sin is death or eternal separation from God. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5a says, But God demonstrated his love toward us or showed his love toward us in that while we were still yet sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. Romans 10 verse 9 through 10 says that if we will confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we will, not might be, not maybe, we will be saved. For with our hearts we believe we are now in right standing with God and with our mouths we confess that we are now saved. Lastly, Romans 10 verse 13 says that whosoever, anybody or everybody who calls upon the name of the Lord, they will be saved. So if you never asked Jesus into your heart or you've walked away from him and you would like to rededicate your life to him, you can just simply say, dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know my sin deserves to be punished. I believe Jesus Christ is the son of God who died for me and rose from the grave. I want to turn from my sin and trust Jesus Christ alone as my Savior. Thank you for the forgiveness and everlasting life I can now have through faith in Jesus. In Jesus' mighty, precious name I pray. Amen.